everyone. My name is Lori Orlinski, and I'm a best-selling children's book author. And you are listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning in to episode 234 of Chasing Dreams. Guys, today's episode is going to be a fun one. It is someone who is truly a dream chaser and someone whose story I heard and had to get in front of you. Her name is Lori Orlinski. She is a award-winning children's book author. She focuses on bully prevention and honesty, and her story is phenomenal. It's her, not just her story, her daughter's story. You're going to hear both in this episode. You know what? I'm just going to let you listen to the episode. Here it is. Hey, Lori, welcome to the show. Hi, Amy. Thanks so much for having me. So, Lori, I like to ask my guests, my new friends, one thing in particular, and that is what did young Lori want to be? Did young Lori have a dream? Young Lori's real dream was to be Kelly Kapowski on Saved by the Bell. All right. <laughs> That might be dated for some folks, but I know exactly what you mean. Um, but young, actually young Lori's dream was really to write a children's book. When I was a little girl, I remember stapling and taping construction paper and putting drawings on it. I was never, I never excelled in the art field, but I was always pretty good at writing the children's books. And so something that's been on my bucket list for many, many years. Well, how long did it take you to, to make that dream come true? 35 years. Good for you. So I got to ask, though, because, you know, dreams are, are always there. Why did it take you so long to pull the trigger, so to speak? Or were you always on that journey? Well, I always prepared myself for the journey. I went to journalism school. I've been writing for different members, you know, since I graduated from college. But... I never had a subject that inspired me and where I said I'd want to write about something. And one day when my daughter Haley was about three, she came home from preschool crying and she told me that they hung a growth chart in her classroom. And all of her friends' names were at the top and the middle of the growth chart. And there was her name all the way at the bottom. And of course, I can relate to that. You can't see me standing up, but I'm only 5'1". on like a good day. Um, with heels and, you know, volumized hair. Um, but Haley was really upset about it um, because not only did it single her out as the shortest, but as a child, we're conditioned to think that things on the top are best and things out of the bottom are worst. And so Haley believed that she was the worst kid in her class. And her friends and teachers started calling her names like Shorty and Peanut and she didn't really know how to deal with it. And so like any good mom, I just picked up my iPhone and I searched on Amazon books for short kids. And I could not believe it. Not one thing came up. And so that was my aha moment. And that is why I wrote Being Small isn't so bad after all. That is amazing. 
So you had no, it, like you may have wanted to write a children's book, but it sounds like you weren't really ever going to do it. Is that fair to say? Or, or do you think? Yeah, it is fair. I mean, I never had, I would constantly like try and put my mind and uh, put my head inside of a child's mind and come up with silly stories to tell my kids. But I never felt like passionate about something like I, and, and I think it's also that there was a need for it. I identified that there was this topic that was impacting my family. It's got to be impacting other families. And when I looked, I saw books about kids who were superheroes precisely because they were tall. I mean, it was unbelievable. You, you think about like a lot and she stretches really high and she's not. Um, she doesn't have her superheroes because she's short. I mean, there are no books about short kids. And so I felt like I had a duty as a mom to do something to stand up for my daughter. And in penning this book, I realized that it wasn't just a book for short kids and and parents of short kids. It's a bullying prevention book because you can take the word short out. You could sub it with skin color. You can sub it with sexuality. You can sub it with large features, gender. I mean... And red hair, anything that makes a child maybe feel different, it helps the child look at their differences as a positive. Yeah, it's it's sad because you're right. You're absolutely right in that, you know, the teasing is a form of bullying in a way, depending on how aggressive or the intent behind it and whatnot. But you're right. It's not just height. It's anybody could come up with anything to bully. I mean, nowadays people are bullying not just politics, but on your favorite TV shows or, you know, characters and stuff like that. And it's it's a shame. Can I ask, what has been the reception to your book? It is immediately very well received. And I didn't realize when I was writing it that it would resonate with more people. And so the most surprising thing that I found is that it resonated really well with other kids that didn't have um, you know issues with their height because it put their words into perspective. And so they saw that when they did something like leaned on their short friend as like kind of a silly joke, that the friend might not like it and that they need to ask first before they do things and that our intentions may be good, but maybe the way we carry them out aren't. And so then it would lead to a discussion with kids that would tell me, well, I'm tall and I have a problem because people think that I'm old, that I'm, you know, that I should be smarter because I look older. And parents would say their kids also, the, um, the thinking that they're more athletic because they're bigger. And so it led to so many amazing conversations. And it just, it's amazing how people have been able to just like use our scenario, which is short and sub it out for whatever works for them. And so people were doing that on their own. People are doing it on their own. I do, prior to the pandemic, I did a lot of um, school visits and library and store visits. And I open a discussion with people and I say, what makes you different? And I keep it very light. I raise my hand and I said, I'm left-handed. What's something that make you, makes you different? Somebody might say, I have freckles. And I, you know, it's one unbelievable moment in my life was I had the honor of reading my books and donating books to children at Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago. And it was, you know, the, the Children's Activity Center. So these are patients that have been in there for a while. And some kids actually weren't able to leave their room. So they got to call in and watch me on closed circuit TV. But when I said, what well, makes you different? And again, I kept it very light. 
one girl said, well, I relate to this book because I'm different. I have, I had a heart transplant and I have someone else's heart in my chest. And to me, it was like, there I am. I wrote this book for my daughter who felt she was short and to see it resonating with a girl who had a heart transplant. And then another girl said, I have cystic fibrosis. And, you know, it just, it led to a natural conversation about people's differences and things that make them special. And I never in a million years imagined that amazing response. And it just, as an author, as a parent, it makes you feel like, wow. I mean, if I thought if I could change one person's life, which was my daughter's, I would be in good shape. But I think this book has changed many lives. That's the beauty of it. That is the beauty of it. That's the beauty of chasing your dreams. You don't know what will happen or the the people you'll impact. Now, did you self-publish this book? I went through a hybrid publisher, Mascot Books. See, and and that's like, there's always a way. If there's a will to write a book, there's a way. You don't have to be subject to big named publishers or publications. You found a way. I don't know how you, you found these guys, the hybrid publisher, but it connected, it resonated. And here you are, a Mom's Choice Award winner. Did I say that right? Yeah, a mo- for the book. And guys, we'll have the link in the show notes. So be sure to check it out, especially if you have kids. But it relates on so many levels. And like Lori said, not just for kids, I think for everyone. And it's called Being Small Isn't So Bad After All. Now, the best part of this is you didn't stop there. (laughs) That wasn't even your only book or claim to fame. Talk a little bit about what happened afterwards. Well, first of all, I want to tell you, you're right. I didn't stop with my dream because I sent 200 letters out to publishers and agents and I had 99 notes. But it 199. But I got one yes. And it was that one yes that changed my life. And that, you know, I could have stopped. I could have folded like a cheap tent. There were times I, I knew my book was good, but there were times I would read these emails and say, you know what, it's not good enough. I'm going to quit at number 78. I'm going to quit at number 79. And I just persisted. And so um, that would also be my advice to any of your listeners and viewers. Keep chasing your dreams because it happened for me. Yeah, let's 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 go back to this then. I didn't even realize 199. So what was the span of time? Probably about nine months. It took longer to get a yes from someone than it did to actually for me write the book. It's a it's really a cutthroat world and People, some agents were very kind about it and they said, your book is good. It's just not right, the right fit for me. A lot of people said, I don't do rhyming books. Some people said, I don't do children's books. I mean, it was just, you know, and, and I just got a lot of blatant, like canned responses. Like if we feel this is a good fit, we'll follow up with you. If not, consider it a no. And it's hard. I mean, you really put your heart on the line. I... When you, it's called querying, it's writing to people that would be interested in representing your book. And so when you query, you do research on every single person. So I would get, look up people's bios and see, okay, this person likes stories about the underdog. So then I would research what books they've represented and I would send them a very personalized letter. So each letter took me about an hour to write. So it was an immense amount of work. And then I decided to, to record my book in an audio version just to have my friend read it. Since it was a rhyming book, I wanted people to hear the sounds of the rhymes. 
Um, but yeah, I, I was very close to throwing in the towel. I have two daughters. Haley is now seven and Ellie is four. And I want them to see me quit because I wanted them to see me follow through. And that is really important. And now I work a lot with my daughter, Haley, who's in second grade. She's stumbling on her work or things like that. And I'm like, did I quit when I wrote my book? Did I quit at number seven? Did I quit at number 25? Like, I want them to take that away from this experience is that mommy pushed through and mommy didn't quit. This is all very beautiful. I'm still on 199 no's. The resiliency you showed, right? Uh, the impact you have because you were so determined to get this story out for, for yourself, for your daughter, for others. I mean, you didn't even know how much it would impact, but here it is. And that's a, t- it's a testament to your, to your resolve there, Lori. Oh, I mean, kudos you. to you for, for doing it, for fighting and just, it's amazing. Thank you so much. It was, you know, the, it was, the fun was in the journey too, because I, you know, if I had to do it all over again, I would do it because it's been such a rewarding experience. And as you mentioned, I think that not only writing this book gave me, you know, it, it gave me a means to express myself, but it also gave me the confidence to say, I can do it again and then again, again. So my second book uh, came out in 2020 and it's called The Two Fairies Tummy Ache. And I like to write in rhyme because I have young kids. And I think when I'm reading out loud to them, they anticipate the words that are going to come next, whether it's at, bat, it. So I was thinking about what are some lessons... I like to teach lessons in books because I think lessons are something that you can't just sit down with your... As a parent, I don't like to sit down with my kids and say... We need to have a serious discussion about bullying or honesty or anything else. I think reading a book is a natural way to talk about it without it's, it's feeling so forced. We can read a book have about what the kids did in the book and do some reading comprehension questions. So the two fairies tell me, I noticed my kids were telling little white lies. So I've always been obsessed with the tooth fairy and I should also give myself a plug. I'm an my dentist calls me a superstar brusher. I've never had a cavity in 37 years. So I'm like obsessed with um, the tooth fairy. I love the tooth fairy. So the book is about a little girl and her name is Ellie because my daughter's name is Ellie. And I have one book for one kid. So I had to have a, a book for another. Um, and she swallows her first tooth. And she's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? The tooth fairy is never going to come. So she searches high and low for like something that she could, you know, trick the tooth fairy with. And she ends up putting a kernel of popcorn under her pillow, (laughs) (laughs) which is totally something I feel like that's really smart. It's ingenious. So she she pushes the popcorn under pillow. The tooth fairy takes it. She gets the silver dollar her way. Well, the tooth starts popping all of a sudden, like while the tooth fairies are looking at this tooth and the tooth fairy, of course, they're eating it. So they're getting a stomach ache. And then the whole cache is like, are they going to be able to finish their work for the day? Are kids going to be stuck with teeth under their pillow because this little girl you know, played a trick on the tooth fairy? And in the end, the tooth fairy comes down and says to the little girl, it's best to be honest and always tell the truth. You should have just told me that you swallowed your tooth. And so there's a nice little lesson. And who are kids going to listen to more? A parent? Or a tooth fairy. So it's got kind of all the fun silliness that kids like with a nice lesson on honesty. 
I I want to read this book because I can't imagine the struggle of rhyming words, but you just did it so easily just now that I'm like, how is she? And this was also a Mom's Choice Award winner, right? Yes. And so I am so impressed and intrigued. And it's ingenious that you use the Tooth Fairy to teach the lesson because I think you're right. They're going to listen to characters in a book more than their parents, more than their teachers, right? And And you convey it in such a way that it's true for all of us. Better to tell the truth than say a little white lie. <laughs> You're right. Right? I mean, that. so you have these two books out. And was the second, was the journey to the second book easier than the first? Well, it was because I already had a relationship with my publisher. And I knew I didn't have to go back to 200 more people. I can just approach my publisher and say, I have a book, you know, and start there. And if they didn't like it, at least I had a starting point, and, and at least I knew kind of where to go and how to handle rejection. But as it turns out, they loved it. So I was very, and I was very fortunate to work with my same illustrator again, because she is amazing. She, her name is Vanessa Alexandri and she's from Brazil. And the, how the process works is you invite authors, that, illustrators that you like to, to submit a test sketch. And so I had um, Vanessa and a few other people submit a test sketch. And looking at Vanessa's, I was like blown away. And so it, it worked out really well. And she's actually, we're in the process of putting together my third book. And I'm working with Vanessa again. That's awesome. Can we get a sneak peek in the name? Is that fair? Is that safe? Absolutely. I can give you a whole synopsis. <laughs> Shoot, so, tell me. The book will be out in May 2021. It's National Pet Month. And so it's called Balloons for Tiger. And it's another lesson-based book, but it's a little bit different. This is another very personal one to me. About two and a half years ago, we had to say goodbye to our cat, our 18-year-old cat named Tiger. And it was so hard for my children. And we did a balloon release. And I wanted them to have a tangible way to say goodbye to her. And we taped up notes and we said we love her. And we sent the balloons off. And then every day, my kids would ask me where the balloons were. Airplane saw it. Do you think the tooth fairy saw it? And so we're not a very religious or spiritual family. And so all the books about pet loss for me, when I looked, seemed to all be have religious undertones. And so I said, let me write a book about the journey of the balloons on their way to see Tiger. So the book is very, it's a very imaginative look about these balloons and they're traveling. They pass by storks. They see, they go to Rome, they see astronauts and ultimately the balloons make it to Tiger and she sends down a rainbow to the kids to show them. It like chokes me up every time because it's, it's very, very personal to us and it's really, um, so hopefully it'll help kids deal with pet loss because it was very hard. Um, and, you know, one thing to note is people can use, they don't have to use balloons. It could be memory bubbles, whatever someone feels is important. I thought it was a good tangible way to describe loss, love and loss. What I love about what you're doing, Lori, is that you're not stretching your imagination. I mean, you're stretching your imagination in the creativity you're doing, but you're not, you're not trying to be someone else. You're not trying to do all these other things, right? Your your source of inspiration is your own life. It is. And it's my own children. It's the things. And I just, I see gaps in the marketplace because I'm searching for books on these topics and I'm thinking, why don't they exist? And I'm, I also ask other parents, 
I get a lot of feedback from family and friends and teachers. And I say, tell me the truth. Give me some feedback. And I've taken a lot of their feedback. Um, One of the greatest bits of feedback came from a director at my daughter's preschool for a tooth fairy's tummy ache. And she said, I love the book, but why aren't there any boy tooth fairies? And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. I need to put boy tooth fairies in here. So I love giving people like sneaks of my book because people have different experiences, different thoughts, and they, they've all collectively gone into my books. That's phenomenal. I mean, the fact that one, you were brave enough to chase this dream, right? Even if a dream delayed is, is still a dream that is still there. So it's, there's no time limit on it, that you still did it, right? Regardless of the time that you may have thought it's too late. Did, did you ever think it was too late? Um, I just the, the whole process of writing a book, the writing the book was the easy part for me. The whole next steps were overwhelming where, you know, how do I find a publisher? How do I find an agent? How do I get this illustrated? It all seemed to be surmounting. And that kind of pulled me further back. Like, okay, maybe I should just keep this book for myself and my child. And my family really rallied around me. And they're like, other than time, what do you have to lose by getting this book out in two people? So it was really, it was really cool. I, the day the book, I had it, I got the book in my hands on December 20th of 2019. And for being small and December 21st, it was the day before holiday break. And the teacher invited me in, Haley's teacher, who was in kindergarten at the time to read the book. And I was reading the book and she said, do you know what today is? And I said, I think it's December 21st. And she said, according to you know one of these things on the internet, it's the shortest day of the year and it's short girl appreciation day. And it was like, oh my gosh, what are the odds? And so it was kind of like a little fun, like nod to like what I did was, you know, was right and was worth the, was worth every tear, every smile, every, you know, time I slam my computer on my desk. I mean, it was worth it. What were your kids' reactions to the book? Are they, are they your harshest critics or biggest fans? So Ellie was a little too young when I was writing it. um, But Haley... I wanted her opinion because I was writing the book for her age group. So a lot of times she would hear these words. Like one of the words I used once was balance. And she's like, what's balance? And I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dumb it down because I have to write it for her age group. But unlike my editor who will you know, give constructive criticism, I would, show, I would read it to Haley and she would go... <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry, what? And she goes, it's terrible, mommy. And so she would, you know, give me the the feedback I needed. But then when it was good, she would do cartwheels. I mean, she would like go like this. She was my biggest cheerleader, but she also was very honest. And I think everybody needs a, a, a harsh critic in their life because they have your best interests at heart. And she is just right now she flourishes. She's still the shortest kid in her class. She's probably the shortest kid in her school. She's in second grade na- right now, but she has what she lacks in height, she makes up for in confidence because this book has empowered her to realize that she can do things other kids can't. And she also has a very deep level of empathy because she was bullied when she was little. And so now any kid that's by themselves at the lunch table or plays by themselves at recess, she's the first one to introduce them, introduce herself to them. And she says, how can I help you? Um, in fact, when coronavirus first started, I watched the news a lot. So she was listening to the news and she heard them say that um, the doctors and nurses were running out of masks at the hospital that she was born at. 
So she went upstairs and I thought, I didn't think anything of it. And she comes back downstairs and she has like three bracelets on her hand. And she's like, mommy, can I sell these? And I'm like, okay, sure. You can sell them, whatever. You'll make some money from grandma and grandpa. <laughs> like I want to sell them for $3 a bracelet. And I'm like, okay. And she said, my goal is 200. And I said, 200 bracelets? Okay, $200. Okay. So I said, okay, it's going to be really tough. And I'm just going to let you know, but it's what you're doing is really nice. If all the money is going to go to the hospital. All right. You've got to take a deep breath, Amy. I'm going to tell you how much she raised for the hospital. All right. $19,100. I'm sorry. I think you said $19,100. $19,100 for Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago. They have been able to purchase ventilators and masks and PPE. Her story hit at a time. I put it on my Facebook. I posted a video of her. And people just wanted... They were sharing it. They wanted to support her because this was a time when... There was debates over what candidate people liked. Should we wear a mask? Should we not wear a mask? And I think Haley represented unity and hope. And these bracelets are so pretty and colorful. And it it was amazing. She even had the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, order her bracelets, the governor of Illinois, and she, uh, Miguel Cervantes, who's the star of Hamilton, asked her to make her, asked her to make him Hamilton colored bracelets. So she, became a little overnight sensation. And so she was doing this all summer. She would, And I say this because I really feel like the empathy came from this book and it came from the experience of what she went through. And so she will always be the first child and hopefully teenager and adult to say, what, what can I do to help? I love it. I, <laughs> kudos to her. Please tell her that. That is- I will. I'm sure she'd love to send you a bracelet. <laughs> I, I will take a bracelet and I okay. will pay for the bracelet. I will oh, pay for the reason. It's just we'll we'll connect afterwards. Okay. Absolutely. That is fun. That is amazing. Like what so, a heartfelt story. And to see the effects, like what does that do for you to see the effects of the book, not just on your kids, but on the people and their kids and the feedback you're getting from strangers? It's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. And the amount of support that I'm getting, like I thought. Gosh, when I first saw my sales report and I, I had sold out of my books, I thought I was going to go home to my parents' house in Ohio for Thanksgiving, open the closet and have all my books fly off the shelves. And in reality, I mean, people were actually buying it because they were experiencing the same thing or they wanted to teach their kids a lesson. The book was endorsed by the Pacer National Bullying Prevention Center. And so if you go on their website and look for bullying prevention books, you can find Being Small there. And it's just... It started a lot of. It starts a lot of good conversation um, in that young age group. So it has been amazing. I will always remember taking lemons and turning them into lemonade with my daughter's story. And I'm I'm actually very grateful that it happened um, because it, it it changed our lives for the better. Yes, and you're still on the roller coaster. It was a negative situation, and it's like. We could have gone, I could have done this, my daughter could have done this, but we all could have gone fight, flight, or freeze. And we chose to fight, but in a way that we advocated for ourselves. And so it's just been, it's been an amazing couple of years. So a- after having done this, and you're still on the ride, right? That's, that's the beauty of it. You're still on this ride. Um, did we get the name of the third book? Balloons for Tiger. Right. Balloons for Tiger. The fact that this book is still happening, that you're still doing this, that you're, you're not stopping. Right. Um, 
I'm just, it's so inspirational. Like you are the epitome of a dream chaser, even though you didn't know you were chasing a dream. Like true, true story. You didn't right. know. I didn't know it, but then, you know, I talked to my parents and they, they brought out some of these construction paper books that I've made. And it, you know, I joke and say, I wanted to be Kelly Kapowski, but I always wanted to write a book and it's amazing to actually, to actually have done it. And it's been very well received both by, you know, award submissions and by reviewers and by customers. And so it's, it's given me confidence and um, you know, I still have a full-time job, but I'm hoping that one day my job will just be solely to write books. And the thing is, is that as, as long as you've had this dream, it sounds like you've been planting seeds for it that have been growing. And it just, the right time came and you were ready to write that book. Like that's, like, would you say that's fair? That, that, that you've never really gave up on it. It just didn't seem right to do. Absolutely. And I think... Even now, people ask me, are you going to write more books? And the answer is, when the inspiration strikes, I don't want to just think about something really hard. I think the best books come out of the times that we live and the things that we experience. And so if the inspiration strikes, sure, I'm going to write another one. But right now, I'm really content um, working on this first, second, and third still because the shelf life of a book is three to six months. And I'm so fortunate that my book came out almost two years ago and people are still buying it. I'm still reprinting it. And even in, during the time of the pandemic, I still have been able to connect with teachers and students and work around um, not going on book tours and not going to stores. And I've still been able to make the book relevant because it, it is relevant. Your, your kids seem to be learning from your example, but if you had to take one lesson and and verbalize it for them, what would you say? I would say not to let the moment, the negative moments define your life, to turn them into positive moments. And so instead of dwelling on what isn't, flip it around and say, what could be? That's not easy. <laughs> and, and believe me, it came with a lot of tears every time I got a rejection letter. Eventually, I, you start to get desensitized, but it, it's you know you you submit something with your heart and soul, and you really spend time and put it out there. And when it's not well received, I mean, you have to roll with the punches and you have to be okay with it. But it's not it's not an easy pill to swallow per se. No, you were being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I mean, what? How much more vulnerable can you get than to take your heart and life's work and then put it out there for people to judge and say, hey, is this worth you working with me on? And people being like, nah, 199 times. <laughs> I'm still like 199. That's... I wonder how much more I would have kept going. I think I told myself 250, but I probably would have kept going. You really wanted it. My, um, my dad always says that for me, the word no was just a starting point. And I see that in my children too. I really see it in my kids, especially my older one. Because her personality at seven is, is really starting to blossom. My four-year-old is starting to come to that too. But I really see no being a starting point for them too, which is good because I don't want them to be yes people. I want them to come up with their own ideas and their own ways of doing things. And I want them to have resiliency and persistence and passion and drive. Those are all qualities, guys, if you're listening for, for a dream chaser. That's, that's everything I want you to be. You, Laura, your story is an inspiration and you've dropped so many nuggets of wisdom just in this episode alone. 
that I, I got to ask you even then for one more. What is one thing you would recommend the people listening, your fellow dream chasers do today to chase their dreams? I almost would say, go back to your childhood, as you said. Is there something that you've always been wanting to do and you've always thought about and then put it on your bucket list, put it in the back of your mind and shut it? Go back to it and see, can you actually do it? Is it attainable? And if so, how? And just give it some thought because... I, again, I'm living proof that you can make your original dreams of childhood come true. And I love books so much that I even got a tattoo of... I, this was really exciting for me. I'm not a tattoo person. I only have one. But I got a tattoo of a book on my left hand. And this is more symbolic than you know loving to read and loving to write. Um, it's on my left hand, which is my writing hand. And it seeing this tattoo... Reminds me that I wrote three books. It reminds me that I can do it. That no matter how many times I want to quit, I look at this and I realize that I did it and I can do it again. And so it's a little bit more symbolic for me than just having a tattoo. It's just... It symbols purpose and drive. I love it. I love it. You guys... <laughs> my parents don't love it. I'm still 37 wow. years old. My parents are mad at me for getting a tattoo. But it is symbolic and it means a lot to me. That's all right. It's it's for you, right? <laughs> that's that's what's important. And Lori, I love it. I love the story. Your kids are going to do amazing things. It sounds like they have your spirit in them. And that's going to be exciting to see as they grow. We're going to connect afterwards and we're going to get a bracelet. I, I want a book too. So we're going to figure this out. But for all those listeners, how can they connect with you? My website is Lori Orlinsky Author. So it's Lori, L-O-R-I, Orlinsky, O-R-L-I-N, like Nancy, S-K-Y, author.com. You could also find me on Amazon. Orlinsky is a little bit of a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, guys. All the links will be in the show notes page. You will find it there. I'll talk about that in a minute. Lori, thank you once again for joining us, sharing your story and being such an inspiration with your efforts, with your books, and just inspiring generations. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to be on the show. And thanks for providing this outlet for people, especially during such a tough time, to hear about people that are pursuing dreams and giving people something to smile about. And there you have it, guys. That was Lori Orlinsky. what I tell you? Crazy, right? Not just Lori's story, but Haley's story. And, and the thing I want you guys to understand is Lori is a wife, a mother, a full-time employee. And she still found time. She found a way to write a children's book, write 200 letters, get rejected 199 times until she got that acceptance. And she never expected what would happen. She never saw the results of what would happen in her wildest dreams. I, I asked her. She didn't see it coming. And she's overjoyed with the reception of it. And that's what happens. That's what happens when you chase your dreams, when you focus on what you want to do and not what others tell you to do. So I hope you guys are inspired by Lori's story. She loves the fact that you guys are chasing your dreams and she wants to give you guys a discount. So if you go to Lori's website, again, on the show notes page, and we'll have this note on the show notes. So you, in case you forget it, you'll get it there. But if you use the coupon code chasing dreams, you will get 20% off on her website for her books, her two books, 
through the end of 2020. So if you're listening to this, you're looking for some books, I'm going to get some for Naomi, my niece also. Uh, and I'm going to use this coupon code. It's Chasing Dreams. On Lori's website, you will get 20% off on both of her books. And that's avail- That's valid through 2020. So I don't know what you're waiting for. They make a great gift, especially the holidays coming around. You want to do that. All right. So until next time, Dream Chasers, go check out the show notes. I almost forgot that. Go check out the show notes over at amyj21.com slash episode 234. That's episode 234. All right. So next time, guys, remember, don't stop. Keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.